Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight on this uh, day of days in Los Angeles is Josh Cacho. Josh, how you doing, man? I mean, it's it's weird to think that, you know, it's been as long as it has since Lakers won a championship, but here you go. Now we're just waiting for the Dodgers to bring it home. And then, you know, like I said, I'll, and if LAFC can finish the deal and Vela get healthy and this new, new uh, center back signing look good. And I think we're in business here in Los Angeles. Bring you know, return return things back to Chip City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was good to see the Lakers get another one. I know that there's you know there's probably a lot of Clipper fans out there that uh, may or may not listen to the show. Um, but uh, I grew up a Lakers fan. I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the NBA anymore. Uh, when I was living in Cleveland and LeBron came back, it was kind of hard not to pay attention. And then they won. What was that? 2016. Um, that was a fun time to be living in Cleveland when they finally got their their first championship in whatever 45, 50 years or whatever it was. Um, and it is cool to see. I mean, there are lots of storylines. I don't think the NBA could have uh, asked for or possibly colluded to make anything else happen other than a Laker victory and uh, just a few months after after we lose Kobe. Um, so pretty, pretty amazing to see. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, 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 I was, it's a weird year, I think in, in terms of everything, right. And, um, you know, like I said, in the sports world, but at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it's just, you know, maybe for, for LA fans, it's just that little bit of normalcy in terms of getting back to the war, you know, the winning ways of the city that, you know, we needed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, LAFC news, obviously, LAFC beating Seattle Sounders 3-1 to today um, in what was a weird match, but a weird match that I think we all anticipated to play out. Uh, Opposite in, of the result? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, LAFC was able to win almost against the run of play today. Um, but, I, I mean, if you would have told me three to one, I would have, you know, an, an LAFC victory. I, I don't know that I would have believed you um, given the starting lineup that we trotted out and how things went in the first 10 minutes or so. Um, again, LAFC still without Carlos Vela, missing Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, Jose Cifuentes, Diego Palacios, Tristan Blackman is still injured. Uh, who else is still injured? Mm. I feel like we're missing more. Than just that. Uh, I think that's it. I guess that's it. Um, but you know, we don't have we don't have uh, Jesus Murillo yet, obviously, because he just signed with the team. So you're looking at a very thin squad, uh, a squad that trotted out as a front three today. Um, a guy from USL, a guy from Arena Soccer, and a guy who can't go ninety, who happens to be really good, but. I guess he went 90 today, so that was that was positive. But um, it's kind of a, a makeshift squad here uh, for LAFC, and they were able to get the job done. Josh, do you have any, like, any initial thoughts on how that went? I mean, I, I wasn't expecting a whole, you know, too much. Yeah, I think in leading up to the match, I think the biggest, you know, you, you wondered who was going to fill on the right, you know, um, and turned out to be Perez, which who he's played there in, in moments, you know, filling in for Carlos Vela in the past, you know, coming in for the last 10 minutes of some of these games or whatever. Um, 
then on the left, obviously, initially we thought Rossi was still going to be around, but then ended up getting uh, called up due to, was it an injury to one of the other guys? On, yeah, I don't remember uh, who it was. On Uruguay. And so you end up, you know, was it was it going to be, you know, I think people were talking about, was it going to be El Manir? Was it going to be, uh, who are the other ones that I heard people throwing out there? Um, what's the new um, the new winger that we just signed? Apoku. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, people, I think, again, just given how thin we were, you know, I don't think people expected to see Musovsky out there. Given, you know, like I said, he's mainly been Bradley, you know, BW. I think we talked about that previously, assuming that he was probably going to be, um, you know, if BWP couldn't go couldn't go 90, we assumed Musovsky was going to come in for him at the 30 as, as you know, as things had gone recently. Um, right. But, you know, more credit to him. You know, like I said, I mean, he those guys stepped up big time. You know, like I said, they did their thing. You know, it's nice to see, you know, uh, Torres come in in the second half and really continue to, you know, Again, it's it's that next step, and as a franchise of kind of completing that run of having now your academy products kind of come through and now make an impact, and so you know obviously we'll see what it looks like long term, um, but again it's, it it was a big win to just kind of not necessarily write the ship because we've been playing, I feel like we've been playing better as of late. However, especially now that Atuas is back. But there's a lot of things, you know, again, random things in this game. Not necessarily, you know, because the way that we played was not exactly the style that we're used to seeing by any means. But it does, in little ways, give you some kind, you know, give you a little bit of hope in different ways for what things could look like in the next few months um, should should the roster change and move, um, you know, in different ways. Yeah, yeah, I... I... I like what you said there about, uh, I think you called it random, a bunch of little random things uh, happening today. Um, and I feel like in order to get to everything, we might want to just go through, uh, like go through the starting 11, give uh, a brief couple of things on most of them. I think there's probably a handful of guys that don't have totally noteworthy performances, but, uh, and then go through the subs as well. And you kind of use that as a, as a, template to to get through this game um so bradley wright phillips started as the nine i thought he largely had a good game very involved um and i think on the third goal he was the one that received the initial ball in yeah it was him because there was some you know var went back and checked to see if he was offside on that initial pass may have been close but uh lafc was fortunate there um, and then I think Latif Blessing gets kicked in the face in the box on that goal, and the ball falls to Danny Musovsky, who's able to just clinically finish it. Um, anything about, I mean, I guess that we mentioned that BWP went the full 90 today, I think mostly out of necessity because we ran out of so many sub, we ran out of subs so quickly. Um, anything else on BWP today, Josh? Well, I mean, I think on I think that's the key, right? Is the fact that if if he can go ninety, now should again there continue to be different roster machinations, and if if there is other movement that is going to occur, um, you know, in between now and next year, knowing that BWP can play, you know, full, I guess with the European window has already closed, right? 
Uh, yes, most of the, I think most of them, if not all. Okay, yeah. So obviously, we're not looking at at this point, no real movement until the end, you know the end of the year. But if you know initially, we're expecting him to play thirty minutes a game. Now that he can play ninety minutes a game, you know the the thing that come that now you, what you're afforded now is a bunch of different flexibility to play specific ways against specific teams. So if you need to play a certain way against you know Seattle versus a Colorado versus another team. You know, it gives you options and how you can rotate the front three. You know, because obviously you, you're expecting Vela to be the you know Vela and Rossi to do the two locked on starters, and then at that point you can do different things to try and make sure that you're giving yourself the best you know the best advantage there, knowing that BWP is capable of you know of playing heavier minutes. You know, should he, should he need to, and so I think that that bodes well in terms of having a again it's not a 30 minute forward or a 60 minute forward it's at this point right we have four forwards who can interchange and play 90 minutes you know hopefully down the road or it gives you time to let vela recover even more so so it's like you can let vela be that guy that comes in in the last 30 um you know for you know the beginning of you know for as he as he works his way back into the lineup heading to the playoffs and not demand that he come in and you know and change things up and write the boat immediately so it gives us a little bit of flexibility you know in terms of whether it's to let Bella get healthy or just in general to just give different looks um you know moving forward yeah yeah i i do wonder if they had played uh the colorado match if bwp would have been able to go the full 90 um i think again out of necessity he did um, we'll see how it goes in the next week and if he's able to repeat that or if he needs to have an earlier sub or, or whatever. But I, I mean, it does, it does bode well for him at least playing 60 consistently in the future, I'd say. Um, next one. And, uh, I assume he ended up as man of the matches. Danny Musovsky had a, a fantastic game, uh, started on the left wing, Later moved to the right wing when Christian Torres came in at the half. Ends up with a brace and looked a lot more dangerous than I think he ever has. I don't know how comfortable he is playing in between two center backs as a nine at this level, but him dribbling at one defender instead or uh, connecting in play and being able to finish from different angles. Um, I, I really liked what I saw today, Josh. I mean, let's put it this way. So this guy that we signed off the scrap heap from San Jose, right? From Reno, 18, whatever. What is it? 18, I thought it was 16. Las Vegas. Was, he, he's from, he played for UNLV, but I think his last oh, team okay. was Reno, 1868. Okay? okay. So he is currently outscoring Chicharito by a, a wide <laughs> margin, right? And has basically become everything that we ever wanted from Christian Ramirez. Right, I mean, and I was a big Christian Ramirez defender because of the way that his movement did open things up. Mm-hmm. But in terms of a, an actual guy who's going to finish, I mean, he's got four goals, right? I mean, yeah, again, that's four more than the highest paid player in the league. So you know does what? Chicha, does he not? I mean, he got that penalty in uh, MLS's back, but was that? Did that not count for? Oh, that I'm not sure. A regular but either season way, goal. He, I mean, either way, it's still four hundred percent more. So yeah. He's still outscoring him <laughs> by a, a wide margin. So, you know, yeah. again, you 
is he a guy that you want leading the line? Absolutely not. Right. And like you're saying, like, does he look comfortable as the, you know, as the, the lone middle striker, you know, in, in, the, in the actual number nine position? Not really. But, you know, in, in a, in a weird way, the way that things were playing where you had Perez mainly in the, especially big when Perez is pressing, because that's what I think Adrian Perez does best dropping back into the midfield to, uh, you know, to assist with a lot of the buildup play and so on and so forth. And then at least on the defensive end and then BWP in during buildup and dropping even deeper um, at times, what you almost saw was like a four weird, like four, four, two when they would first break out into attack. And I feel like, he can make those diagonal runs when BWP is is a perfectly capable of, you know, causing playing in between the center backs. So that gives you just this look where, like I said, that he just pops up free in different places. And what he's done well is actually put the ball in the back of the net, which outside of Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi, no one, Dio to a certain degree, but really what of the, however many forwards that have come through this team in the last couple of years, He's the guy that's been the most successful outside of, you know, our, our, our big two. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there, I think there's an argument to be made there for BWP, obviously, but I also, you and I have been vocal in the past about even Diego Rossi's finishing where this year he's obviously stepped it up tremendously. And I think towards the end of last year as well, he did. Um, But when he first got here, you know, he was missing, not sitters like Christian Ramirez, but uh, but some pretty wide open shots, right? Um, and it was very spotty at the beginning. And uh, we've you know again talked several times about the, how that's one of the things that's really taken his game to the next level. So in a lot of ways, I mean, he's you know top top three, top four finishers already. I mean, not that we've had a whole lot of of history, but that's that's where he is. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, like I said, and if it, and if again, you're not asking him to win games, right? We're asking him to be a guy who could finish when the opportunity presents itself, you know. Yeah. And and especially in these matches where you're, you know, if you're if you end up chasing goals, but or when it, or just in, in in a situation where it comes down to a set piece, you have you know two or three guys in Rodriguez, Vela, and and Atuesta who could put the ball on a plate. The question is yeah. how many, how often have we had someone who can actually, you know, make make the most of it? And again, I think this is, you know, again, in would would I be happy to see him come into a game when, you know, we're chasing a goal or trying to put one away, you know, in a one one in a one one game or whatever? Absolutely, right? Because you you can trust that he's you know that he's he's going to do something with it again, which can't be the same. They can't be the the same cannot be the same. Uh, the same cannot be said for the majority of LAFC's fours over the last couple of years. So, yeah. Uh, what I will say, um, I feel like I, I owe it to everybody. I have talked about Musavsky uh, in a negative light before. Um, not these specific things. I've talked about him being probably a little bit too slow to be the guy that gets him behind the defense after a pass is played. Um, I don't think there's been any changes there. Uh, and we've talked about him not being good enough from like a like an overall quality and like his touch and his ability to hold up play, um, which again I think is probably still true. But 
you see his his finishing and his runs and his willingness to keep working uh, kind of outweighing those negatives and making him successful so far. So uh, I just I, I never want to be the guy that doesn't own up to uh, my claims, even if I end up being wrong. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm that I'm honest with everybody about that. Uh, next, Adrian Perez. Uh, not really noteworthy. I don't feel like we've ever really seen much from him um, and was subbed off at, at the half for Christian Torres. I assume you'd be fine with just going and talking about Christian Torres right away here, Josh. Yeah, I mean, Perez gives you work rate, gives you good defense, if, if anything. You know, like, you, I think the one thing you'll always say is he'll never cheat you of effort, right? Yeah. The finishing product may not be there, like, but again, like we're talking, I mean, in, like in this conversation with Masovsky, what Ford has actually had finishing product outside of Vela and, you know, I guess now BWP and, and Rossi. But again, you know, so, you know, am I, I'm not complaining too much, all things considered. And again, if, he, yeah, if he's going right. to come in and work hard. Yep. Uh, so Christian Torres comes in at the half. I was kind of surprised to see him so early, but again, giving the subs that we had to go to, uh, it, it made some sense. And I want to say uh, Perez is coming off an injury. Oh, well. he is. Yes, you are right. right. Yeah. Um, so Christian Torres comes in, moves to the left wing. I thought he looked uh, good. I, not, you know, not, he's not burning down the house, but he's also 16. So uh, he, no, no 16 year old is going to burn down the house at LAFC very long because they will be bought immediately by a bigger club. Um he looked pretty good in combination with Harvey on that on the Janela goal, able to get behind the defense and play in a good cross. I feel like that was the most noteworthy thing. I mean, it eventually leads to a great goal by Janela, obviously. But I almost I almost take the mantra of, you know, no news is good news when you put a sixteen year old out there against who are arguably the best team. Uh, in the league right now in, in Sounders. And he doesn't look out of place at all. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, you know, again, at 16 years old in Major League Soccer, what what, what are our expectations, right? Um, you know, I mean, the last time we had expectations for a 16-year-old was Freddie Adu. So what does that tell you? <laughs> um, so moving you know obviously with him i think it's 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 nice because it's the culmination you know to the culmination of the project that is lafc to see you know an academy player now come out there and kind of round out the roster and, and you know again you're finding guys overseas you're finding guys domestically from usl or whatever and then now to be able to bring a guy up right it's it's that now that last step you know the club has kind of you know had to had to take to kind of find that last you know again as a new club to find those last pieces right it's to bring yeah. bring bring through new talent um you know and grow that talent as opposed to constantly going out and finding it and so you know again the best clubs in the world all you know have all historically brought through talent and then found that galactico to put it all together right mm-hmm. um you know and when when teams have gotten away from that that's when it becomes problematic right look you know look at look at Madrid and, and Barcelona as your two biggest, you know, examples of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Madrid, not a little bit less, but because they kind of just buy up all the Spanish talent, but it's kind of the same thing. But, uh, 
anyways, but yeah, having having the those homegrowns to now supplement the roster, and especially if they're able to make an impact, is huge because again, that's when you're you're not having to go out and spend money. And again, in a league where you don't, you can't, being able to develop you know young talent is is critical. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, it's nice to see he looked like he belonged. That's kind of the big thing, right? He didn't look out of place. Um, you know, I I wouldn't have thought anything of you know like i said his performance was it was it outstanding no was it terrible nope you know but again did he look like belong did he look like you know he he knew what he his role was within the system were we asking him to win the game absolutely not but again he he did what he, he was you know supposed to he's probably listening to bob more than any player on that field you know, um, because it's 16 year olds old and the way that Bob yells, I would be terrified. So, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to see because, like I said, it's 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 one of those things where um, to have that homegrown finally kind of come in and make an impact is huge. Yeah. I mean, and you're not talking about a five minute cameo. You're talking about an entire half. Um, that, I mean, I know we're in dire straits, but that's a lot of confidence to put in uh, to put in a young kid when presumably you could have shifted around the roster or, or, or around the the lineup a little bit more if you had to if you felt like you weren't going to get something reliable for for forty five minutes. I mean, to be fair, um, it's probably Andy Nahar's fault. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Actually, I mean, we can go straight there, or not straight there, but we can get there in two moves here. If we move to Mark Anthony K, um, who within four minutes is going into somewhat of a 50-50 with, I don't remember who it was from Sounders, uh, extends out with his left leg to win the ball, and the Seattle defender also makes a challenge on the ball. And I think, I don't know, I've gone back a couple of times to try and watch what happened. To me, it looks like he roll, he just rolls his right ankle. Um, were you able to watch that any closer, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it just looks like a really bad sprain to me. Yeah. You know, again, sometimes these bad sprains can turn into, you know, fibular fractures, which is, you know, and, mm. um, you know, obviously the worst case, you know, again, the big one is what kind of what he dealt with last year, where you had, no, it was a fibular fracture last year as well. So that's kind of the big one. Like, as is that that same? Is it the same leg too? No, it's the other one. Oh. Okay, so I don't know it, if that's good or bad, but yeah, I mean, again, t- I mean, it's just one of those things where now you're looking at two bionically, re- you know, two bionically repaired legs. So yeah. is it is your, especially the ankle, because again, it's it's just hardware they put it in plate, they put in screws, those different things. You know, range of motion can be limited at times, um, but the, obviously, you never know. I mean, again, we're crossing our fingers and hoping it's not anything that requires surgery. And you, I feel like if it had been, we would have heard something by now. Um, so likely just, again, from what it looked like, just a really bad and awkward sprain. Um, like obviously, not great that he couldn't put weight through it. Um, but again, you hope it's a you know just a bad sprain, no fractures, and then yeah. take ease out for you know probably around three to four weeks. You know, depending yeah. you know, based on how bad it looked, obviously if you can't put weight through it, you're not going to be back in that like, oh, let's just tape it up and be good to go and you know mm-hmm. maybe miss one game. This one's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, let me remind you, you're not getting this kind of analysis anywhere else. Josh is the 
<laughs> he is the expert when it comes to this stuff. So uh, I feel fortunate to to have him on as as a, as a co-host here. Um, yeah, really. I mean, just brutal. It, was it against Seattle last year that he got hurt as well? Uh, no, it was the Galaxy. Oh, when that's right. Like, it was because against, yeah, he gets hurt in that. He gets hurt probably Perry Kitchen or some awkward lame midfielder from the Galaxy. Yeah, you're that, right. That can't right. handle, you know, that doesn't know how to move. And then right after mm-hmm. that, Lee, Lee hits a banger, and then, you know, then we score the goal, and I think that was the, the tie. Right, right. Okay. So K off comes the Andre off. Orta, off the Andre Orta back pass. Oh, right, right. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Okay, so K, yeah, I'm having, like, nightmare flashbacks. Um, K gets subbed off in like the first five or six minutes after that injury, Andy Nahar comes in and I want to, I want to take just a quick second to point something out here. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to call my shot as well. Like I said, I want to be honest. Um, I have not been impressed with anything I've seen from Andy Nahar when he's on the field, other than I think I pointed out one pass that he made, uh, which was phenomenal. I don't think his defending is good. Again, if you listen to the show, this is no surprise. I I think he's a terrible one-on-one defender. I think his uh, mental lapse in the San Jose match where Jackson Ewell blows right by him is indicative of a larger problem, and that's him not scanning the field ever um, and having a, a severe lack of awareness of what's going on around him. And... I think he is probably made of glass. So the combination of those three things to me spell out that he's probably not a good signing. And I'm okay with the team missing on people. I'm not okay with the team, especially at a position of such crucial need right now. I'm not okay with the team being completely married to a signing just to try and salvage it when I think it is having like bad, like ramifications throughout the entire, uh, throughout the entire team where you don't have a right back. So now you have all these makeshift guys playing there, pulling them out of the midfield, not, not able to play Blackman where you want to for long-term development. Um, I think LAFC probably needs to cut bait on Andy Nahar as soon as they possibly can. That may not be this window. It may be in the winter window, but for me, that's where it is. Uh, if he magically turns it on and gets good, then I will gladly eat the crow and uh, be happy that LAFC has found a, a good right back, but I don't see it happening. Josh, so obviously he he came up lame with a hamstring injury, and you know again coming off of two big two big knee surgeries is what you know he was kind of recovering from. To a certain degree, right? A lot of times, you know, it, it's signs of of the body kind of pressing to kind of compensate for what you know what's kind of happened to him, you mm-hmm. know, from, from a medical standpoint as of late, right? So things are going to work harder. It puts different demand on there. Uh, again, not proper warm-up time, da-da-da. And so, again, it, it does give pause for concern as to whether or not that, you know, again, he's going to continue to be injury-prone. And, again, if you're going, 
given the circumstances and what you needed from that side and what we what we lost in Stephen Badish were from not just a play perspective but also a leadership perspective. Um, again, in terms of what you could have gotten, yeah, maybe it's worth the risk. But at the same time, uh, you know, again, it, it's it's one of those situations now where, you know, again, I feel like you almost have to just kind of, you know, cut your losses, you know, and move on. And maybe that's what they're doing with this new signing, right? Who, you know, supposedly, you know, again, I I, I pointed out to Kirk that, you know, um, since FIFA 21 came out, you know, you see the, they do have him listed as center back slash right back. And then in talking to, I think it was today, in today's broadcast, um, they kind of showed him on the bench and they had mentioned that he plays right back as well as center back mm-hmm. as well, which again is par for the course for LAFC and finding guys who play multiple positions, sometimes to our dismay in terms of, again, just <laughs> that just that feeling of stability. You just like, just keep a guy in the same position for more than one and a half games, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, like, what what who ends up playing where whether it's blackman inside and and mario outside or vice versa you know um again i think i think the writing is on the wall for and i'm not sure he's long for you know i don't know how much longer they're going you know this experiment is going to go with him there you know because again i think long you know i think they'd probably like for as you know They'd probably like to move Latif back into the midfield mix, alongside the you know the other guys, especially now with K out. Um, you know your your midfield, depending on the circumstances, is probably you know is likely going to be something along the line of K. I'm assuming at least um, K um, Latif, Cifuentes, and prob and Atuesta. You know, maybe, you know, for now, kind of go from there. Um, unless Latif just stays a right back, but again, it, it really just depends on a bunch of different things. You know, again, there's just a lot in play. You know, obviously, if Carlos Vela comes back, it changes the dynamic also because again, you need to make sure that because of the way that he plays, and also you're probably going to protect him to a certain degree and not ask him to have to work so hard defensively that that right back be fairly stable in terms of how they approach things and. You know, again, what, what, um, what their role is comparatively to, you know, again, you're going to want a guy that plays probably something so closer to what you got from Betashore, as opposed to someone who plays closer to Cheeky or to Latif in at right back, where they're bombing forward at all times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Andy Nahar comes up uh, with the hamstring injury. And in comes Muhammad El Munir, who I feel like has been in, do- in uh, Bob's doghouse lately. Uh, I think ever since one of the, maybe it was the Orlando game where he just like, had a really bad half. And I think it was another, I think it was another similar situation where he was subbed on in the first half and then was taken out at halftime. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, I feel like that's the last time that he was honestly given a shot. He's probably, I think he's had some minutes since then, but um, it seems like Bob has just kind of used him uh, very sparingly and as an emergency uh, fill-in other than that last game in Orlando or at the at the tournament. Um, I thought El Manir looked good. He had a great, uh, a great 
clearance, I, I guess, if you will. A great defensive play on Jordan Morris, who was breaking away. And we all know how that typically goes when he's on a breakaway against LAFC. Um, and uh, El Munir chased him all the way down and made a great tackle, which at full speed is, is really tough to do um, and saves and saves a goal. Uh, kind of reminiscent to the Medal of Honor save that he had against uh, against Houston last year. Um, there are obviously problems with playing a, a very left-footed player at right back. Um, but he looked he looked pretty good today. Uh, no no real complaints there. Yeah, man. I think the issue with Elmanir again is is that his his career has been these these amazing goal line clearances and so on and so forth. But then you start to wonder, it's like, well, well, why is he having to do some of these things, and why isn't he already mm. in position to make the solid play? And I think from from Bob's perspective, and probably what you're not seeing on a regular basis, and I think what probably kept him off the field is that inability. And again, the problem was there when he was in Orlando before. Um, you know, there's a bit of an inability to be consistent um, on that left hand side in terms of defense. You know, and then you know, and again, you start to wonder: is it worth? Is it worth what you get off? You know, from an offensive perspective, and if you can't do the basic things, you know, like yeah, it's great to have these spectacular highlight goal line clearances, but again, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like I would rather have a game where we didn't hear any of their names called in terms of whether it's spectacular and or bad, you know, and just talk about all the goals we scored, right? But you know, again, you we've seen them in these moments and with these clear goal line clearance and so forth. So again, the question has to be asked: Is he, is he, is he having to do that because he was out of position to begin with, or is he, you know, just making a good play? Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, um, you know. But again, I think his his in a, you know inability to you know to defend consistently, I think, is the biggest thing that's kept him off the field for as much as he's again provided some some amazing moments from a defensive perspective. The, you know, again, I think there's probably a lack of consistency that's kept him from truly kind of stepping in and becoming a regular, a regular part of the. You know, again, I think we've seen some of that work until he got elbowed in the face by Zlatan, but mm. that that's probably the last time we saw him playing consistent defense was prior to that injury. Yeah. Uh, another left back that had a great performance tonight was. Jordan Harvey, who started at left back, finished at left back, which is um, kind of crazy given the way the the team was shuffled today. Um, but that's two straight performances from Jordan Harvey that were that were really good. Uh, I thought again he looked like an absolute pro out there. Um, positioning was good. Several uh, several good defensive stands. He has a clearance. Uh, the goal line clearance, the header. Um, I don't remember who shot it. May have been Roldan, um, but that's the kind of positioning that you're not going to really get from Cheeky, just because Jordan Harvey is a 37 year old pro who's been doing this a long time, knows exactly where to be, when to be there. Uh, best play of the game for him was probably all the way up the left wing, which uh, is sometimes terrifying and sometimes brilliant. And tonight it was brilliant where he's got this little back heel and nutmegs the defender in on the uh, Christian Torres cross that we 
that we talked about earlier. So uh, bravo to Jordan Harvey tonight. I mean, obviously the the play Liam to the goal gets gets is getting allowed, but his goal line clearance to I think I forget who shot it, but to basically keep the game level at that point was huge. Yeah. And so yeah. you know, again, I, Harvey's in that stage of his career where you know his ability, you know his understanding and ability to process things is about a million times faster than anyone else on the team. But it's also a million times faster than his body will let him move. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you know, so a lot. You know, both you and I. You know, we're you're thir- we're both in our thirties, right? Thirty-four. Yeah, I'm the same, right? So both of us, you know, understand what that means. You know, very much, very much so in terms of, yeah, yeah. You know, again, how that decline, how quickly that decline comes in terms of, but again, doesn't mean that you're not gonna be able to pull out that old man game. You know, you see me out there tugging people's shorts and holding people all the time and stepping on people's heels. But, you know, again, it's it's what, you know, it's it's what allows you to continue to be effective even in absence of, you know, your athletic prime. So, again, it's like the way that Harvey plays, um, you know, I think is why a huge part of why we were so successful last year is because you just have that fueled awareness to understand that, like, Okay, the front three are scoring a thousand goals. I don't need to engage and be up there every single time, mm-hmm. right? Um, even though, considering how often Rossi makes that diagonal run and cuts in, that you know you're supposed to overlap. But I think between him and Beta, they just provided so much more stability to the backline because of their understanding and of the game and ability to be able to sense when when to push and when to hold, you know, to hold up play, and at this point, or again, it, you you see the calming effect that Harvey's had over the last couple of games, and just kind of marshalling things together. So, again, it you hope that at some point, guys like Segura, you know, and and Blackman are going to be able to kind of do those things on their own. But at this point, you feel, I have to feel like, you know, that Harvey's the only one who does it, on, you know, on a consistent basis. You know, just has that awareness to understand. Okay. I see the cut in. I know that this part of the field is vulnerable, so that I can start moving back before, beforehand. Obviously, yeah, mm-hmm. there's guys getting to beat him down the line. There's guys gonna beat him in the air. You know, whether it was Zlatan, you know, Zlatan a million times to him, but again, Zlatan is Zlatan, and they're about the same age. But Zlatan is six foot five, so good luck. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it happens. But at the same time, I will say, like I said, in terms of just his ability to be at the right place at the right time. You know, again, you're not going to be able to. You can't discount that, that, you know, that skill and ability from you know from a veteran, because again, mm-hmm. I think it usually bodes well for, for that team. Yeah, um, a few more to get here to get to here. Uh, go ahead, Segura, Yakovic, and Cisniego lump all together. I thought it was a, a decent performance from all three. I feel like Cisniega. Uh, was more determined to come out and win balls tonight. And I think you saw that. Unfortunately, Segura was on the receiving end of one of those decisions, uh, catching an elbow in the eye. Uh, I didn't, I never really got a good look, but it certainly looked like his, I think it was his left eye that got hit. Uh, certainly looked swollen. Um, but I mean, those three all looked good. Cisniega got, gets beat by Lodero on a little bit of trickery. Uh, I, they had Joao Paulo standing over the, that's his name, right? Their new, uh, 
um, Senator Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's his name. He's standing over it like a right footed shot, lining up, taking his time. And while they're getting set and after the ref has blown the whistle, Lodero just runs up and unleashes a great curling ball away from Cisniego. Who's trying to, you know, still set his wall and get ready. Um, but I mean, other than that, I thought those three looked good. Anything on those guys, Josh? Yeah. I mean, as it pertains to the defenders, the less I hear about your name, the better the game you probably had. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. again, you didn't hear much about them, which means that they probably did a good job for the most part. And again, um, you know, on the goal that they scored, you're just like, you know, it it happens, right? In kind of a weird, you know, it was kind of a weird set of uh, a weird sequence. But at the end of the day, you know, the the fact I, I think I still think you're better off. Um, not hearing about them, you know, again, yeah, so this yeah. looks a little bit more comfortable with the wall feet. I still don't think he'll ever be truly comfortable, but at the same time, you know, again, it's, it's against a Seattle team that you're, you're not exactly expecting to dominate possession 70, 30, or, you know, 80, 20, in the way that you would in some of these other games that you see. Yeah. Uh, Cisniega also, I, again, I don't remember who shot it, had a great, um, a great save going to his right, was able to get one palm on it. Uh, it was pretty late in the in the match, but was surely headed in, and he was able to get to it. Uh, I, I do agree that you know when it comes to stopping shots, he's he's great. It's exactly what you want for that for that purpose. Uh, Atuesta, classy game as always. Last one, Francisco Janela, uh, with an absolute screamer of a ball. Um, my so my ten year old son is trying to learn how to play striker. And there's a, there's a phrase that I use with him all the time, which, you know, trying to teach him how to be a poacher, which is basically clean it. Right. So I'll serve him in a choppy ball or I'll throw one up in the air, uh, that gets miscontrolled or something like that. And the, the term is always clean it just because I want him, I want him to develop this understanding of, it doesn't have to be perfect. I just have to take what I have right now and finish it. Uh, and that is exactly what Janela does. The The cross from uh, from Torres comes in. I think BWP gets a gets a foot on it or something. And then, I don't know, Musovsky on the other side, it bounces off his thigh and Janela just smashes it home right inside the post. Just fantastic finish. Um and it's hard to even think about anything else to talk about when it comes to Janela because that goal was so great. Yeah, I mean, he did the things he always does well. He's smooth mm-hmm. in possession. He recycles the ball well. You know, again, like he's a lot bigger than I thought he than I thought he was. Yeah, six footer. Yeah, so when you he's see tall. him, when you see him in the midfield, you know, especially next to the Latifs, you're just like, man, <laughs> it's it's nice to have like this, you know, this more physically imposing midfield. And I th- I will say. He's not afraid to mix it up either, and so yeah, it, yeah. the one I think I think Matt Doyle even pointed out it's like there's there's times where this team because again they're not a physical you know like they would you know this team has never been described as physical right yeah um, it's finesse to the fullest degree in terms of the way that they play their style you know all you know it's that Barca way right it's it's not that. English Premier League, we're just going to slide tackle you, and you mm-hmm. know, and this is the way we play. You know, you don't have old guys complaining about like, oh, back in my day, this is how we did it, right? It's it's always been more of that Spanish style of 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 football, but 
Janela kind of brings a little bit of everything to the to the way that he plays. Again, which is kind of reminiscent of the way that Uruguay plays it. In, you know, in terms of like, you know, when it comes to defense, they they know how to get down and dirty. And you know, when you you look at some of the the guys that they have on their back line, you know, that's all the Diego Simeone guys, right? It's Godin, yeah. Diego Godin, and and Jimenez, and you know, they're willing to mix it up. And it's nice to have another midfielder outside of uh, Mac being w- being willing to go in there and mix it up a little bit. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, again, having him there does, you know, again, because Atuesta is not that guy, right? Atuesta is, you know, trying to... He's just, very zen. Yeah, he said, just sits back there, perfectly yeah. calm at all times. I mean, he'll talk trash. You see him talking trash every now and then, but... Really, yeah, just, he was getting he was getting into it with uh, Nicolo Dero tonight. Too, yeah, actually. but generally speaking, his game is more just pick your head. You know, he he just sprays passes. You know, his, right. his eyes back in his head, and he's going to spray passes. He's going to do his thing. You know, again, it's more about his control of the game. You know how he controls the game, like the maestro, the professor. Right, that's that's what he does. He's kind of just solves things. Whereas Janela, you know, again, it's like. Maybe it was the mullet from before, but he reminds me of young, <laughs> young Kaka, right? Where it's just like, you know, he's kind of out there, you know, hits these wild balls, kind of just getting there, but, you know, still really good in possession and, you know, still yeah. looks smooth out there. You know, again, that's the one thing you'll say. He's always looks smooth, um, you know, but again, I do like that, like that, that physicality that he brings to the table because, again, it's different from what we're used to seeing. Right, right. <laughs> Um, that kind of rounds out all the players tonight. Um, so let's go ahead and get into some questions here. First one is from Jeffrey Babaka at Jeff Babaka. Just want to say, so happy for Janela. What a goal. And was this Nahar's last game for LAFC? Also hoping the best for K. Um, I think, I mean, just talked at length about Janela. We're thrilled for him as well. His first goal for LAFC. Was this Nahar's last game? I don't think so. Again, I don't know that they're going to be able to move him in this window. Certainly, I don't think anybody in MLS is going to be spending any amount of money for him. Um, so you're probably going to have to wait on that. And given the the state of the squad, uh, if he's healthy in the next four to six weeks, then I would assume he's going to be playing again. Uh, and certainly, best wishes for Kay. Anything on that one, Josh? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like... We don't have another right back, and Blackman's still injured. So, you know, again, yeah. I, you expect him to be around at least for, you know, a little right. bit longer. Um, you know, will he? How much will he be featured? That's a whole different story. But, you know, again, they're they're going to need depth pieces at bet. You know, if any, just if anything, for the time being. But yeah, um, yeah. Other than that, I, mean, I kind of we kind of touched on a bunch of the other things as earlier. Like I said, it's mm-hmm. it's you you like to see that progression in terms of their games and you hope that now as they start to you know like it, having done it against the Seattle um that some of these guys like Janela take that next step and you know should they be able to if if Vela is able to get healthy and and you know if Mario is, is able to help shore up the back line man watch out cuz this team is going to look pretty nasty heading into the playoffs yeah you can easily see a a, a way back for LAFC, right? Um, if they're able to, if Mario is, um, you know, is a fit and plays well, then suddenly 
a lot of the a lot of the problems that we've seen regarding the back line might be able to be fixed in in quick order. Um, next one, Tycho B and G at Tycho Blue. Any insight Josh can give us on Mac? I, I feel like you answered that. Do you want to take another shot before I go into the rest of the tweet here, Josh? Yeah, looks. Like, I mean, again, based on what I saw, looks like a bad sprain. Worst case scenario, obviously, is they're going to X-ray it and make sure that there's no fracture. Hopefully, the fact that we haven't heard anything yet is a good sign. Um, but again, you never know. Um, but based on him not being able to put weight on it, you're, you know, you're. It's going to be towards the longer end in terms of recovery times than, you know, from a sprained ankle. So, you know, again, I wouldn't expect him back on the field anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rest of the tweet here says, tough luck for him and Nahar. Are you guys happy with the impromptu midfield? Does Duke start and Latif move back to right back? No matter how many kudos we place on El Munir. Also, does Elmo start for Harvey next game? I think you are right that... Uh, I don't think Elmanir is an option as you're starting right back. Again, he's he's far too left-footed and it's never really going to be uh, a threat to pass down the touchline or to, to send it a right-footed cross. Um, and I think that just makes him too easy to defend when as we try and build out. Uh, I also don't think Duke is going to end up starting, even if Latif's moving to right back. Uh, I just don't I don't see it ah, then again I, I mean I don't know who else comes in to be honest uh if if K is injured and Latif has to play right back I mean maybe he does I, I don't know who else you have at this point I think they've called back Guido from uh San Diego but uh he's been on the scoring tear so you know like I said we'll see yeah if, yeah if who knows? Able, you know if, well, if we finally actually see him suit up and make an impact yeah, but I mean, as far as the impromptu midfield goes, um, I'm I'm always happy with with Atuesta in there, and I think again it looks good because you have you have one of either Mark Anthony K or Latif, or Latif Blessing, um, and we saw again obviously Mac for a few minutes and then Latif moved there out of emergency, but you still have Janela there, which is what I that's what I miss when you have both Mac and Latif in the midfield. They're so good in the press. Um, and as long as LAFC is able to, you know, turn the ball over and score quickly, it's all good. But it's it's their passing that, that leaves me wanting more. Uh, and I feel like you definitely get more quality passing and ball circulation from, from Janelle and Cifuentes. But... I'm perfectly fine with one of them starting, so I'm happy with it. Josh, are you happy with it? Yeah, like I said, I I think if if there was ever a place that we could sustain an injury to the midfield, I mean an injury to one of, one of positions in the midfield is probably it because, again, I think we do have a lot of quality depth there compared to yeah, other parts yeah. of the field. Yep. Um, I don't think Elmo starts for Harvey – Next game. Well, you know what, though? He did just go 90 twice, and the next game is in four days. So maybe he does. I don't know. I, it's it's tough to say. I, I don't know where Elmo, start, Elmo stands with Bob. So that's uh, a tough one. It's a good question. 800 meters and running at Tetlow. Going forward, no, for, no further Jordan Harvey slander will be tolerated. I think this is fair. <laughs> the man has, uh, has played exceptionally well in the last uh, – 
in the last two games. So that's fine with me. Any arguments there, Josh? Yeah, I mean, because again, really, outside of the times when you have guys like Zlatan out there being Zlatan, again, how often are we really complaining about anyone really beating Jordan Harvey? Again, the guy's a savvy defender. He's a smart defender. He does what he's supposed to. You don't, and he, he doesn't make the same mistakes that some of the guys that we, you know, the younger guys do. Even guys that you know, guys that are are more talented, or guys that you know we expect more of. Again, Harvey. You know, there's a reason why Harvey has kept that job for two years, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no. And again, it goes back to the it goes back to the the goal line clearance that you see from him as he holds his position because the ball rebounds out so quickly, right? So I mean, the whole team turns around and the he sees the ball falling to whoever that attacker was, I don't remember. And he, he stays right there after the initial free kick. And this is what we've talked about, the, the two-phase um, set pieces that LAFC just, you know, just gives up all the time. And he was the antidote, or the antidote tonight, excuse me, um, because he, he understands. He, under, he was able to quickly assess where the threat would be coming from on that second phase, even though it was an un- unintentional and be in the right spot at the right time. So you might call that veteran understanding or whatever, but I mean, it's just a, it's just a smart heads up play from him on, on where to be. So Josh, you got anything else? No, I think that's it. Like I said, I mean, given, given the circumstances and again, with a game quickly coming up, um, and again, I mean, and guys still not back from international duty, you know, it's, 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 these are wins that, that don't necessarily reflect on what the team will look like in, you know, come playoff time. But what it does is it instills a sense of grit and determination, you know, again, that I think the team has actually been lacking. So yeah, it's good to see, you hope you pull out another one um, or at least just get a result of some kind of, of some sort. Cause if you were to tell me that through this run in international break, you know, again, you come up with a win against Seattle, you know, and then if you can either, you know, get points or, you know, take at least one point or, or even better from this next game, then again, we're headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, I think that's all we got. You can follow the show at counterpress underscore. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey, Josh. LAFC Josh on Twitter. All right, and we will talk to you all after the Vancouver match on Wednesday.